When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm going to start in a second. Let me take a breath. And Jess, do you have a pen in your hand? Do I have a pen? I have like 10 pens around me. I'm at my desk. Well, no, I just, you do that thing where the you clicky? like, no, he um, does it with his fingers. You know I how? Twist. Yeah. But I, I wasn't, so- I wasn't holding one. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> so we're, are we going to, should we add a question about control issues, Justin? No, I'm Here's the thing. <laughs> she knows too many of my quirks. <laughs> Well, that's as it should be, and vice versa. Okay, here we go. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. My co-host, Sarah Saunders, will join us in a few minutes. For those of you returning, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you and we're so glad you're finding our content helpful. For those who are new, welcome. We're so glad you found us and are listening in. Make sure to go back to our pilot episode to learn how this all started and why we're here. A quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. With that said, let's get started. Today, I have the great pleasure of interviewing my co-host, Sarah Saunders, and her husband, Justin Saunders. They're the most adorable couple, you guys, and I think you'll really enjoy getting to know more about Sarah and her family life. More importantly, though, during our conversation, Sarah and Justin shared openly about their struggles and growth as a couple, how they approach parenting and life as a partnership, and about how it's a continual process to ensure that they're both helping each other stay happy, sane, and focused on their goals as they raise three very young children while building their careers. So without further ado, my conversation with Sarah and Justin Saunders. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hi, babe. So. <laughs> so just so you guys know that you that are listening, um, Justin and Sarah are in two different locations right now, just because that's how our software works. So they're uh, they look very adorable to screen situation here. I will share a picture a of social. Than me. <laughs> oh, um, OK, so so Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living what you're passionate mm-hmm. about, what you do in your free time, if you have any with the, your three little ones. 
yeah. Uh, I am a, a partner with a uh, recruiting firm based out of uh, independence. Uh, I've been there for about 10 years, um, last two and a half years as a partner there. So uh, it's been going well. Um, I mean, passions, it, family in my career, like, and that's really all I have time for. Um, and that's to me what, what's most important. Um, you know, I think you can tie in, I like the exercise, I like to eat, uh, I'm a big fan of sports, Browns, Buckeyes, yeah, uh, you know, boating, uh, in the summertime oh, when there's no COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. When you're allowed to be around other people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we don't really have free time. Yeah, like, yeah. I was telling somebody the other day at work and, you know, someone without kids and, uh, you know, it's like I wake up in the morning and I really enjoy getting up with the boys, you know, and, and helping them eat, you know, not help them eat, but making them breakfast and yeah, hanging yeah. out with them, just seeing them. Um, and then I go to work and I'm at work, I don't know, babe, what, 10, 11, 12 hours a day. Yeah. And then I get home, you know, right around six o'clock so I can be with the boys, see them one more time, eat dinner, bathe them, put them to bed. And especially now when the older boys are not, loving bedtime uh and by the time we get them down it's eight eight thirty nine yeah i remember those days that's rough yeah Yeah. and 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 then then you're just exhausted right and at that point then i go down to work out from 9 15 to 10 15 and then i'll take a shower and in bed by 11 i mean there's no free time right now uh so (laughs) yeah so but i love it i mean it's it's um it's controlled chaos and, and it's, it works for me. And one of the things that I have to mention is as Justin was sharing and ladies specifically, like he's very hands-on when he is home. And so what he was saying, kind of, I like to get my workouts in, in the morning. That's like how I fill my cup. So he's very intentional. And we've talked about, you know, where we can help each other out. And so he'll help with breakfast and getting the kids up, Well, I, you know, work out and shower in the morning and then he's off to work. Um, And then the days that, you know, I work, I'm kind of, you know, he gives me the baton when he's done. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, in full mom mode right up until the time it's time for me to go to work. And then same with like we have dinner together. He helps do baths. Um, But he's yeah. Teamwork is is a must. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah, yes. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it it awesome. really is, though. It's a it's a good. Um, it's one of those things that we've uh, it's evolved and it works for us. And I think most couples that have been together and, and have kids together and kind of go through it together, you figure it out. And and I've always been more of a I can stay up later and, and wake up still early and be okay. So. I really enjoy the late night, no one talking to me. Sarah's in bed. The kids are sleeping. Like that is, that is peaceful to me. And I could run forever mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah's shaking her head. No, to yeah, the late she, night she's like, in bed no by nine o'clock. Way. I put the kids down and I put her down. And, so, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> true. and, and he's really great because for me, I'm kind of like, finally I can breathe. And I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, I have all of these things. My to-do list is like so long because I finally have a little bit of peace and quiet. And Justin is so helpful. And he's like, Sarah, 
it, you need to go to bed. Like you are not going to be able to do anything productive. And, and then he'll say like, what specifically do you need done? And he does it. Like if wow. there's something around the house, like, and, and I'm just like, you know, I need the kitchen specifically, you know, is the heart of the home. And I need my kitchen clean when I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I need the dishes done or I need this. He's like, okay, I've got it. Go to bed. Like, so I know this, this didn't, this didn't happen. I mean, like, this isn't, this is something you guys have learned. So we're going to talk about how you right. got to that place. Cause yeah. that right. like, honestly, I wish I could go in a time machine with my husband and go back 25. Like, I wish we had met you back then. Cause like it took us or, like, we really battled it out. It was really tough for us to figure that out. So I, I think what you have to share is going to be very helpful to a lot of people who are your age and starting out and like, I want to get there. But first, cool. First, and that'll be in, this will be interesting to see the two sides of this whose stories, if your stories match up, is I, I'm dying to know how you guys like how long have you been together and how did you meet? You want me to go so first? Who goes first? Yeah, you go first. I mean, ladies should go first. I'll, I'll go first. Let me tell my side of the story because it's probably a little different than Sarah's version. Oh boy, I think it's the same, same setup though, just a little. <laughs> so we met at a let me backtrack i've always known sarah because we grew up in the same neighborhood oh. our parents lived eight houses apart for the majority of our lives um difference being i was four years older i went to huron uh you know local public school and sarah went to private school and and you know being as old as we are, there wasn't social media um, back when we were in high school. So we never really you know, ran into each other back then. And um, so I had always known of her. And it wasn't until uh, a mutual friend's wedding in August of 2013 that I, you know, introduced myself. I mean, as well as I could, it was a wedding reception. Uh, probably had a few drinks in me and I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw like this hot little Italian girl and I know it was a deep cut black dress I remember that uh, I know I went up to her and, and probably, yeah, probably said like a really really awesome pickup line and, and and got her attention is that how it went babe I mean this is this is pretty accurate and I'm, I'm surprised you even remember meeting me at the wedding <laughs> Oh, that's I'll funny. never forget the black dress. Okay. Well, my next question was, was going to be, what was your first impression of her? So obviously it was the black dress, but um, <laughs> once you get to, like when you first started to get to know her again as adults, like what was your first impression of Sarah? Like what did, what struck you about her besides I mean, how gorgeous she is? Right. Course. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, mid to late twenties. That, that's all that really the first thing that popped out was looks, but you know, shortly after that wedding, uh, Sarah and I, I asked her out on a date, uh, and she agreed. Uh, so that pickup line definitely worked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we went out on a date and I'll never forget. Cause we went to East fourth street and we were sitting at, um, I said, no, I, forget. No, I forget. No, I, I know we were at Flannery's, but we went to, uh, Pickwick and Frolic. Pickwick and Frolic. And nice. we were up eating dinner and we were just talking at the bar. 
And she was talking like she had this vision of where she wanted her career to go. She's still in grad school. Like she wants to open up her own practice and do this thing with kids. And I'm like, I was like, holy shit, like this girl like has it together. (laughs) And I was just like, she's ambitious. Like, and like, that's, that was the next level. Like, yeah, she was very attractive. That was obvious. Uh, She was funny, but like she had ambition. She knew what she wanted. Like she was career focused. I'm like, done. Let's do this. Let's, wow. let's keep dating. <laughs> so she's, yeah. So she's true to form. Like she's just, uh, that's just who she is, you know, from then till now, it sounds right. like. Yeah. It came to fruition. So that was cool. Wow. Good. good uh, and guess. were you as goal oriented at that age when you met her? Or were you, was that like, it was a good, it was like, like, Hey, we're simpatico. We think the same way. It was like, yeah. Oh wow. I better hmm, look at how together she is. I'm not quite there yet. You know, I, I was, but I was still young in my career. I was still a little mm-hmm. immature and, um, I knew I had always wanted a family. I always knew I wanted to be successful. And I was just starting my, you know, my tenure at Bridgeway. I was probably two, maybe three years into it. And I was starting to get you know a little taste of that success, which is cool. So mm-hmm. I knew that's where I wanted to be. And I knew looking for, you know, a, a, a woman that I would eventually want to marry and have a family with. Like I wanted someone that wanted that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Sarah will tell you like, I, uh, cause she, you know, when we first started dating, I was, I was looking, I was living downtown Cleveland. I was like going out on dates and I was like, I, I didn't like any girl I was meeting. Uh, and, and I knew right away with Sarah and I've probably told her this a hundred times, like within three months of us dating, I knew I was going to marry her, but wow. Yeah. Appease the social uh, aspect of it. I had to wait 11 months before I proposed. (laughs) You know, when you know, you know, when I met my husband, we actually met in my mother's kitchen. This is a a kind of a funny story. We met in my mother's kitchen. He he worked for the kitchen and uh, bathroom modeling company for a house that she, she bought a money pit and it needed help. And I... I had been out the night before I was hungover. I looked horrible, smelled like smoke, raccoon eyes. He was hilarious and cute. And it was literally love at first sight. And within Mm -hmm. a month, like I knew when I, it wasn't love at first sight. It was like knowing at first sight. Like it was just like, there was this electricity and connection. And within a month or two, like we pretty much knew like that was it. Yeah. So sometimes you just know. Right. Yeah. Now I had to ask Sarah to move in with me to be sure because I'm uh-huh. of the opinion you can't marry somebody unless you test like, can you live yeah. with them? Yeah. Which was a huge thing for me because I always had this narrative in my head, like right. you don't move in until you're married yeah. type of thing. Yeah. But I do want to say, Justin, would you share um, our first road trip together when we went to, mm-hmm. we traveled, do you want to, I don't know what details you want me to go to go to, but what I recall of it was we were three months into dating. Yeah, we we had just started dating and, you know, I still didn't know all of Sarah's like background and upbringing and all that stuff. And she's like, oh, my friends are getting married in uh, uh, Illinois. And immediately my mind goes to Chicago. Awesome. Way in Chicago. It's going to be sweet. Booze, cool people, can't wait. Um, and this is again mid to late twenties, so you're just in wedding part of your yeah, life. Yeah, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, sweet, let's go road trip it to Chicago. This will be fun. And and we're driving, and we we go, and 
you know, Sarah has games, like road games. Like she has of books. Of course she does. And she has she's things to do. She has agenda, a, a list. Yeah. yeah. Food and drinks and like everything you would ever need uh, for a 24 hour drive when we were That's only going so like seven. I'm like, all right. She's kind of got it together. That's cool. Um, but we really got to know each other. Like it was a lot of like uh, understanding, like backgrounds and what, you know, preferences, what we like and, you know, what we want in the future. And, it was really cool. And then, you know, sure enough, we get there. Uh, and I, I hadn't qualified her enough uh, to know that her friends were from IWU, which is a dry campus, which turned into a dry wedding. For I didn't even know those existed. Uh, <laughs> and so, so, but, like, what am I doing here? Right, right. And it wasn't Chicago. It was like three hours south of Chicago, middle of nowhere. Okay, um, which, dry I, wedding. which I had told him, but again, with sometimes his selective listening, like he or selective <laughs> hearing, he just yeah. uh, assumed Illinois, yeah, Chicago, yeah. but go on. Yeah. Right. That's um, funny. No, but I think, and, and then, you know, we had the hotel together and then the drive back, like we just got a lot of quality time to really get to know each other. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that, that was what propelled it from, you know, you know, preliminary dating to, to pretty serious interest. Wow. Wow. And I will say, you know, part of that, and I am, I'm someone that when I have, my eye on something like I'm a researcher and I want to gather information. And I knew very early on, just like Justin, I was like, I had dated and um, not a lot, but I, because I was very meticulous, I was looking for something. And mm -hmm. I just remember it was on that road trip specifically that I had certain questions that I wanted to kind of hear his take on because I'm someone that, to be honest, I don't want to waste my time. My time is valuable. Right. And so I was like, is this something, is he someone that, you know, could be the one? And mm -hmm. um, I will just never forget. I mean, just, I think probably five out of those seven hours, like we didn't even have music on. Like we honestly were just in conversation and it was just so natural and effortless. And um, I might've asked some questions that I remember him kind of being like, really? Like how many kids do I want? We're three months in, you know, type of thing. But I learned a lot about, you know, his family and where he came from. And I just had such a new appreciation for, um, of course, I've always thought he's been beautiful, but just who he was as a person and mm -hmm. his values and the core of him. I, I'm, I just, I love this idea. I'm imagining like cruise director, Sarah, like ahead of time, like planning activities and like, you're so goal oriented, obviously like, okay, here's what I want to know. Here's the questions I'm going to ask. We're going to devise a game around this. Like, I just, I just, I love that. Um, you're just, you're a very strategic person. And like, you just have goals and, and, you know, and I love that, like, even in your personal life, you're like, okay, is this a person I really want to get to know and invest more time in? So, yeah. It worked. That's it was very, very nostalgic for me because my mom used to uh, play games when we do road trips when we were kids. So I was yeah. like, all right, sweet. Road trip games. <laughs> That's great. That's and great. Snacks. And yeah, snacks. Yeah. Snacks. <laughs> you know, the way to a man's heart. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's, uh, 
it says a lot about you too, Justin, that you were like into it. Like you wanted to get to know her, you know what I mean? And and like you were learning about her as much as she was learning about you. So right. I, I think that's cool. Um, so, you know, since that time, you guys have had an eventful relationship. I mean, to say the least. Right. And you got married, you bought a home, you started a family. Sarah, you went to graduate school. You're both building your, your careers. I mean, that's a lot in a short amount of time. So I wanted to talk about that for a minute and like, you know, how, and we're going to, after this, we're going to get to kind of like how you've gotten to where you are now, as far as your partnership. But like in the beginning, as you were going through all this, like how did all of that cause conflict or tension in your relationship? Or did um, it, or were yeah, you guys it, always no. like team go team? Uh, I think there's a honeymoon phase for every relationship. Um, you know, that over time, we'll, we'll, you'll have your peaks and valleys and, and we've certainly had those. We're not without fault for sure. Um, you know, I think added responsibilities will always add stress. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think Sarah and I, one thing we are compatible with is, is we kind of thrive on busyness and, and, and chaos. Like I use the term controlled chaos. Like I, I, I love it. Like I would much rather have a hundred things to do with a certain timeline, you know, over the course of two days, than just 48 free hours. I'll, I'll waste mm-hmm. that time. If I have a structure thing to do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it done and, and be on with it. So yeah, kids, the house, the businesses, Sarah's business, like, and we got other projects going on right now too, uh, mm-hmm. that we'll probably let people know about at a later date. But, um, it's, you know, this podcast, like we just operate well under, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. timelines and, and, uh, you know, to your point, it does add stress. It does cause fights because she's got things she has to do that are important to her. I have things that are important to me, you know, and we don't have childcare set up and then we start yelling at each other. Like it's just <laughs> things like that happen. Yeah. It's natural. Um, yeah. 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 But you know, you, you, you apologize, you forgive, you move on you, and you hit a nice, cool, uh, wave of, of good and, and then another bad happens and then you figure it out from there what's your take sarah no i i agree and you know one of the things i think is the foundation for the two of us it's a couple of things we both are very growth mindset we are always if we're not growing what are we doing and we're best friends. We we mm-hmm. truly are at the end of the day regardless of what has happened we we just really make sure that we check in with each other. We ask each other what we need. I think what's funny is, although we do have that foundational level, our personalities are different. I mm-hmm. am someone that I'm I'm high strung. I'm very type A and I get very overstimulated. I don't know, listeners, if there is anyone out there that can identify as like an HSP, which is a highly sensitive person, that's me. I get very mm-hmm. overstimulated. I need my downtime. And although I am very busy and like to have that go, go, go schedule, I also need downtime. I also mm-hmm. like to be alone. And having three kids, three and under, um, their needs are very different. Tristan specifically, which, you know, it's hit or miss with his sleep right now, but I also, I need my sleep. Um, and so I think a big thing for us is just 
recognizing, you know, we have our eye on a goal. We both have things that we want to do personally, professionally, and as a family, relationally, um, but checking in daily and just kind of saying like, hey, you know, what do you need today? Where, and the childcare has been a big issue. We have not been around my family since July. Um, right. And they were very helpful. And we, we don't have that to fall back on. Right. A lot of people are in this boat right now. It's just right. really difficult to juggle everything. And, you know, the fact we all have to be isolated, it's just really tough. Right. And and there's certain times where it's funny because I'll think something is a very big deal, like a very big task. And uh, he'll be like, I don't understand why it's such a big deal. And then I'm like, I don't understand why it's not such a big deal to you. <laughs> um, so yeah. we kind of, you know, we get in those, you know, kind of back and forth type things. Um, but I think, you know, the conflict and the tension oftentimes happens when we are feeling resentful towards each mm-hmm. other, kind of mm-hmm. thinking like, well, I just took the kids. Um, now it's my turn. Or like, you know, you just had your time, like mm-hmm. really making sure that we're making sure that we're talking to each other, letting each other know what we need. And I, poor Justin, I, I'm kind of curious to tell the world what it's like being married to a therapist, but I'm very it's awesome. Vocal. <laughs> right answer. Very good, sir. But I'm, I'm very vocal and I, I will yeah. say it's, it's taken me a while. I was not always like this. I would just let it go. But now I'm just uh, kind of like, I'm feeling resentful or I'm feeling mm-hmm. very um, jealous that you were able to go to mm-hmm. work all day. And here I am, none of the kids napped, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the more that I can use those like I statements, like I mm-hmm. feel this way because telling mm-hmm. him why I feel that way, then that conflict internally that I'm dealing with, as well as the mm-hmm. conflict him and I are having, we can then put our heads together and problem solve. And he gets a better understanding as to why maybe I lashed out or, you know, because he'll just be like, he'll get home and I give him, we kind of joke about this. It was cute last night, but he got home and it being a Friday, I had the kids all day on Monday, work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, slammed with sessions. And then Friday, I was home solo with the kids and I gave him my leftovers. Like I was exhausted. Yeah. I was burnt yeah. out. And what was your response, babe, yesterday when I was like, I'm so sorry, you deserve my entree, not my oh. leftovers. No, I just said, you know me, I love leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he keeps the humor, but I, I yeah. think the reality, you know, kind of, you know, circling back is just being able to vocalize what I'm feeling and then together yeah. problem solving together. One of the things it took me a long time to learn, and it took some guidance um, from a therapist, is that in a relationship, especially when you're parenting, is that both people may be giving equally, but you don't always see it. You don't always recognize the other person's contribution. And just because you're both giving, sometimes it isn't equal. Sometimes someone has to give more and someone else has to receive. And you just have to navigate when it's your turn to receive and just keep communicating. So there's a lot of forgiveness and negotiation and then just recognizing, acknowledging when someone's helping or not helping. Right. I think I still struggle with it. I know. And, and I'm sure most you know parents that have 
kids the ages that, that we do is like, you know, I know Sarah is like at her limit when she has the kids all day with no help. It's a lot. Um, oh, I'm sorry, and, but that it's brain scrambling. It, it is, yeah. When you have little kids, it's it's physical labor. It's just and it's mentally it's, exhausting. It's both, yeah. both physically and mentally. Yeah. Plus yeah. breastfeeding um, and oh, I mean, yeah. draining. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about that, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, I mean, so, so I, when I get home and I know she's had that day, like I want the kids and I want her to go for a drive. And I think she went actually mm-hmm. for a walk by herself. And I said, take your time. I got the kids do your thing. Mm-hmm. Like I try to, to, to be there to alleviate that. But, uh, on the other, on the other end, like if I've done that on a Friday and then Saturday I get up with the kids and I'm hanging out with them and she sleeps and like, then you start to like keep score. Like, all right, I've had these yeah. kids, like you've mm-hmm. done your thing. Like get your ass out of bed, your turn. Come on, let's, let's, <laughs> let's switch. Like, and, yeah. and you don't mean to, but it's just, it, I feel like that's, just the human nature, like where your thoughts well, we go. Wear down. It, we wear down. We wear down. So yeah, the best do. of us, like our best intentions are just not there anymore because we're just exhausted in some right, way. Right, right. Yeah. That's where, yeah. you know, communications, expectations, like I think that is uh, helped us. And, and yeah. what I will say too, is I remember there being times where Justin, I'd be like, yeah, go take a couple hours, like go do what you need to. And I would notice like, you know, in, he's gotten much better at this. This really isn't an issue, but like he might go and play a video game or he might pre COVID like go out with a friend. And I remember in the beginning of our relationship, I was just like, you have so much to do. Why are you like choosing to go and like, and I'm air quoting like relax when Mm -hmm. like for me, I used to think, which I'm getting much better at this, but I used to think, okay, if I have a couple of hours without a kid, I need Mm -hmm. to go and like check things off of my list. I need to go Mm -hmm. to the grocery Mm -hmm. store. I need to, you know, catch up on laundry. I need to do this. There's that goal orientation. 100%. But then I would feel resentful because I'm like, here I am. I had this time without Mm -hmm. any kids, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing things for the family. And Mm -hmm. so Justin's really helped me recognize and, you know, personal development that I've been doing is that being like, using those hours just for me, like being able to just go for a solo walk outside, listening Mm -hmm. to my Mm -hmm. body and asking myself, what do I need right now? While he's watching the kids, do I need to take a nap? Do I want to throw on, you know, the Kardashians Mm -hmm. or like, Mm -hmm. you know, mindless TV, like whatever it is, but it's taken me and I'm still not quite there, but it's taken Mm -hmm. me time to give myself permission to do something relaxing because Mm -hmm. that's actually more productive for me and my like mindset and my energy towards my family than just taking that time to check off things on the list. Yeah. I'm a big believer in processing time. I think everybody just needs downtime when you're not actively doing something to just let yourself process what's happened or how you think about something. And I also think like husbands as much as wives or, you know, co-parents, however your family set up, um, need, they need, they need playtime. They need to talk to people outside of your relationship. They need other connections. And so when I was, I've told the story about how when my kids were little, I would go paint 
every night and I would be there till two in the morning or whatever. Well, that was really rough on my husband because he would work all day, come home and then we'd have dinner and then I'd leave and he'd have the kids till bedtime. And this, it was hard on him too. And so we started this thing we called bowling night, which on Wednesdays he would leave and he was going and like meeting with friends and it really, he doesn't bowl. It wasn't, but it was just like, he needed to just get away and like, go talk to go have dinner with his friends or go play video games or whatever it was they were doing just to like get that mental break just to like not be in that grind all the time. I think the grind wears us down. Yeah. You know, so. And and I just think, you know, right now, you know, societally, like it's just at least for me personally and a lot of women I talk to, um, it's just the mom guilt. And it's, you know, just this idea, especially being a a career-driven, multi-passionate person Like when Mm -hmm. I'm working, I'm not with the kids. When I'm doing the podcast, I'm not with the kids. And so Mm -hmm. I I also, it's this back and forth of wanting to pursue my passion. And I know that it is life-giving. And it's, I, for those of you stay-at-home moms out there, God bless bless your heart. I tried it for six months with one and I, I, I couldn't do it. Like, it's just, I think some people truly they're, um, they're made for that. And that is their calling. It's not for me. And, but I have a lot of mom guilt that, that comes in with that. You know, I think moms can't win. I think society puts all kinds of expectations on moms. And I, I even, I kind of hate the term working mom because all moms are working moms. It's just a different (laughs) kind of work. I mean, it's exhausting one way or the other, however you're trying to do it. And you're, you're made to feel bad if you don't have a career and you're made to feel bad if you do, there's just like no winning um, in terms of other people's eyes. And so that's when, you know, what other people think goes out the door or out the window, like just, you have to do what's right for your family and for yourself. So. I I will say that's one thing, like, marriage and, and having kids is taught like, Oh my God, I have so much respect for, for women and stay at home moms and like things that they do and what they go through. Like, you know, I ignorant to it before I went through it. And I think right. most, yeah. most guys are. And and I yeah. remember always thinking like, who needs 12 weeks off? Like, that's ridiculous. You know, to, to, that's a long yeah. time. Until you're the sleep deprived I'm like, geez, yeah. Yeah. Like, Sarah, take, take six months. And, and that was too yeah. much, but, yeah. um, I mean, but yeah, know, like, just being pregnant is hard work. Being pregnant is hard right. work. Breastfeeding right. is hard work taking care of the babies. I'm like, it's all hard. It's all yeah. physically exhausting. So. Physically and mentally. Yep. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. interesting too, because I feel like in the beginning of our relationship, I think the narrative that I did have in my head and especially based on, um, you know, just like, you know, how we were raised and stuff, but I was kind of like, okay, we're going to start a family and I'm going to be home. Like that was originally ideal. Yeah, yeah. What I thought. And then it was kind of like then taking on, you know, being home, the responsibilities of the child, keeping the kid alive, doing all of that stuff, then all the house stuff on top of that. And then that's when I was like, whoa, wait a second. I thought, I mean, to, to that point too, like the expectation piece, like my partners, their wives are all stay at home. Like, and, and mm-hmm. that's who I, I just thought that was the trajectory that's how it's and that's done. what was supposed yeah. to happen. And that's, you know, growing up in our society, that's 
just the women took care of the house because they're better at it, first of all. Um, but like that was just <laughs> the expectation. And and we tried it. And my uh, conclusion was, man, do do mom and kid need to miss each other a little bit? They're around each other way too much. Yeah. And there needs to be that missing each other. Um, yeah. And yeah. that's kind of where we were like, all right, Sarah, you know, start going back part time if you want to. Well, I, what I always tell you, Sarah. You can work, work as much, work as little, don't work at all. And she gets yeah. to choose. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute because one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys together is that we've gotten these little glimpses into your relationship. And what we know so far is that you really focus on your partnership. And, you know, I joke that you guys like run your marriage like a small business in a way because you have like <laughs> these meetings and I, I just admire it so much. Um, but like you didn't, it took you a while to figure that out. And so like it didn't, some of it happened organically, but there was there like a come to Jesus moment or something where like, um, you know, you kind of had to lay down the law or like, you know, like how much training was involved, Sarah? Like what, what, uh, how did you get to this point of like, what happened? Like what, what was the breaking point and, and how did you guys approach it? So I'm going to start this off and then Justin, I want you to jump in. But I remember it was, it was a Thursday and I was just counting down the minutes until Justin was going to get home. I was home with Beckham um, and it was about like four months postpartum and I was so angry. Like I was just like, counting down the minutes to for him to get home, but more because I was just like, I want to give him a piece of my mind. I want him to know what it is that I do the whole time right. that he's at work. And I wrote down a list. I wrote down a list of since having a baby, all of the things that I am responsible for, for the house, for, um, you know, doctor's appointments for Beckham. And, you know, at that point, you know, I was doing bills and just, I wrote down and I mean, I got really specific because that's how I am. And it was every single task. And then in addition to that, all of the things that have changed for mm -hmm. me in my life since having a baby, the sacrifices mm -hmm. that I had to make, which mm -hmm. after writing that, Clearly, it made sense why I was so angry, but it was front and back. Jess, do you remember this? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a pretty oblivious person for the most part, like unless it's like written on a list or told directly to me like four or five times, um, it, it can slip through the cracks. And so I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm you know, I'm working my butt off. I'm, I'm trying to provide for my family and, and, I'm, and, you know, it's, it's a grind every day. And, and, you know, but I had done that before too, you know, and, and, you know, but I didn't see that her life had changed and mine had kind of stayed the same, but in my mind, I'm working really hard. I'm trying to provide for the family. I get home, you know, I I'll try to help with dinner. I'll try to help with like, and I'm trying to help around the house and pick up. Like, I think in my mind, I'm providing, I'm picking up, I'm trying to do things here and there. I'm a pretty damn good husband. I'm a catch. Uh, it wasn't until she wrote this list of all the, the, yeah, the things yeah. she does. And I'm like, yeah, you got a pretty good point. 
like it was it was a front and back list and then I asked him to write down like what has changed what are things that you're responsible for and you know I love you just but it was like half a page and that's yeah. when I was just mm-hmm. like look at the front and back of this and look at that and like this is why I'm angry and why when you come home right so I, I love your sort of self-awareness, Justin, where you're like, I'm pretty oblivious and you've told me four or five times. And so like my first thought was my first question was going to be, um, w- you know, were you very surprised by this or did you kind of see it coming like to at some degree? But before I get to that, Sarah, as you were talking, were you surprised by this list? Like, were you really fully aware of all this stuff before you wrote it down? Or, or once you wrote it all down and you thought you saw all the things you gave up and all the things you had to add to your list. I mean, were you kind of surprised when you saw that or or did you already kind of know all that? I was surprised to write it down because I'm such a visual person. It was all floating in my head. Yeah. And I yeah. knew that I was feeling resentful and I knew that I was feeling angry and jealous, but I was mm-hmm. like, where is all of this coming from? Because I have all of the things. I have a husband who's providing, I have a beautiful, healthy mm-hmm. baby, mm-hmm. and I have the choice, which I know many people don't. I had the choice whether mm-hmm. or not I worked or not. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. something I had to do. So, and it's I, hard to feel bad when you, f- you you like almost feel guilty. Like I should be grateful for what I have. Exactly, and so that's yeah. where I was like, "Where is this disconnect? Why am I feeling these?" And I tell people, you know, you can feel however you want to feel, but these were some negative feelings that were mm-hmm. impacting our relationship. And so, writing that down, I was just like, "Wow, this isn't yeah. actually what I want to be doing." It's a visual sign of overwhelm. Absolutely. I mean, you're looking at all the things you're drowning in and you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. And so, Justin, were you very surprised by the list? Were you aware of all those things? But kind of like it's kind of level, kind of not really, but kind of aware it, or if, were if, you just totally blindsided? Not blindsided. Uh, Sarah's got a really bad poker face when it comes to hiding her emotions. <laughs> I, I knew there was something noodling in her brain and I knew it wasn't great. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised that it, you know something was coming. I knew I was probably in trouble. You know, ask her how she was doing. Like I'm fine. I'm like all right, not fine. Um, <laughs> so you know those kind of hits. Mm-hmm. Um, so but when I saw the list, yeah, I, I was surprised by the the quantity of things in it, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah, like you said you were angry and you were kind of counting the minutes. And I remember days like that. Boy, do I like, I told, but were you also at any level, like afraid to bring this up with him? Is that why you it, it waited until you got to that point? Was, were you hesitant to bring it up with him? That's a really good question, Heather. I, I, I do feel looking back, there was probably fear related. A mm-hmm. lot of it, um, again, looking back had to do with the fact that, I was home and I thought that that was my role. And as someone um, that has perfectionistic tendencies, I definitely thought I was failing. I was thinking Mm. like, you know, as the mother, as the woman, like, why is this so hard for me? Why am Mm -hmm. I so... All these other women do it and they have these perfect lives. Exactly. And that's when I had that come to Jesus moment was 
but I need to stop comparing and I just need to focus on, Mm -hmm. is this working for me and for us and our family? And so I just remember feeling a sense like it was almost like writing all of those things down. It was like each one was a sandbag that I just took out of my bag. Like just being able to release Mm -hmm. that. And then because Justin and I, we, we've come, we weren't great at it at the time, but like, he's always been receptive. And so I was afraid the fear came from the failing. I thought as a woman, I was failing, but I felt I was almost excited to come to this realization and be like, okay, now that I identified this, where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think that problem solving and what we ended up doing then, and this, thank goodness, you know, for my background in marriage and family therapy, but I just kind of said, okay, this is the reality rather than tit for tat and beating each other up about like, Mm -hmm. well, here's all the things that I do. It was more of like, this is what it's like in my brain. And this is what Mm -hmm. is going on. Let's just take a minute. Let's read through these things. Let's focus Mm -hmm. on strengths. Justin, what are some things that you can take off of my list and put that Mm -hmm. on yours? Mm -hmm. So it was really a a negotiation. Yeah. Sarah uh, mentioned, so I think one of my bet, not to brag, one of my best qualities is I think I'm very coachable, mm-hmm. whether that's at work, at home, like I, I can hear, again, you got to put it right in my face and tell me four or five times, but I'll get it. And, 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 and I knew, okay, this is what she needs. This is how I can best serve her. Um, switch, you know, turn the switch, flip the switch. It worked. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes. I like, the, I like the phrase serve her. I like the idea of serving each other in that relationship. Like, I think that's a, a, and I also like the idea of being coachable. Like we all need to be learning and we all need to be serving each other in our relationships. And right. and with the coaching, I will say, which is 100% if people ask me to describe, you know, Justin, like one of the words I always use is coachable, but it's also something we've had to work on in regards to, our language because there were times in the beginning of our relationship and in the beginning of our marriage where we would say things that would trigger one another. And then it would Mm. just become like very, we'd be defensive and Mm -hmm. yeah. And Heather, you brought up, what is it like to be married to a therapist? Uh, (laughs) One one way we can, you know, kind of combated that, which Sarah just brought up is she made me do this, this love language exam. Oh, early on. Yes, I'm familiar. So, <laughs> so we knew how I gave and received love. Yeah. And I knew mm-hmm. how Sarah gave and received love. And it's silly. Like I yeah, from the outside looking at it, it's silly. But man, it's I, I know it works. It, it helped, I, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. So that, yes. I mean that's one sample size uh, of married to a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say before. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. You go first. No, I was just going to say, but one of the things in order for Justin to be coachable is also me making sure that I'm using language that that he can hear me. Because right. there were times in the beginning where like, 
I felt like I was getting my point across, but he wasn't receiving it because I was not delivering it well. And Mm -hmm. so learning what triggered each other, like we actually talked about like what are trigger words. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, if he tells me to calm down, you better believe. Mm. Oh, that does not, that opposite reaction. Right, right, right. And and so just little shifts in the use of our words, how we are mm-hmm. delivering certain things allows the other person to be more receptive and more coachable mm-hmm. during that conflict. Right. Yeah. And also doing the, let's take a minute, let our temperatures cool down so we can talk about this rationally. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. So as you guys looked at this list and negotiated who takes on which things like what were the big no's Sarah that you had to, you know, we, I want to somehow tie this to no, right? Like what are the boundaries and no's and, you know, I, I need, I need this and I need you to do this. Like what were those things that you asked for? And, and Justin, what, and you know, in the same vein, like what were the boundaries and no's you had to set or what were the things you needed Sarah to take on? Who, who goes first? Women first. <laughs> I think the big no for me was the comparison piece. Like I had to say no to the narrative Mm. or the societal expectation of what I thought, what box I needed to fit in. So Mm -hmm. that was a hard no is to just recognize and give myself permission. I'm allowed to have these dreams and goals and ambitions and Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to be a mom and Mm -hmm. do those things they can coexist together um so that was a big one for me that once I was allowed to accept the way that I'm wired and the things that I wanted it then allowed me to give myself more grace and self-compassion and then being able to slowly, which is still a journey, but to start delegating and giving mm-hmm. up control because I do, I have those perfectionistic tendencies and I, I like, I like to be in control. That's an interesting take. It's not just Justin, I need your help with this. It's realizing you have to give up some things and let him do those I things I have to let you. him, you know, yeah. And dress not control the kids it. however he mm-hmm. wants as long as they're dressed to load she the dish. struggles with that still, by the way. I do. I <laughs> do. To be fair, I am colorblind and sometimes I put the kids in mismatching outfits. 20% of men are colorblind. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, it's torture. ladies, just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the kids don't care. They're dressed. Right. Right. They're warm. Yeah. They're happy. They're going to slobber and you can do things on those clothes anyway. It doesn't matter what they're wearing. <laughs> it's funny though, too, because I feel like a huge brain exercise for me. Like during the pandemic, it's actually been super helpful because we're not going anywhere. So like right. when he dresses them, I'm kind of like, actually, that felt like a big deal. And it's not a big deal. You know what I okay. mean? So now I'm those just things kind you of, talked about before. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What other things seem like a big deal that you had to like, let go of? My gosh, I got one. Yeah. Commitments to others. And it kind of goes into what my, uh, you'd ask like what, what my know or what kind of boundary I had set, like these kind of tie in together. But like, you know, for me, it was saying no to myself. Like I, I had to put my own, you know, 
what I wanted to do. I had to get a workout and have to work, have to d- get these goals at, at work, which obviously I don't want to you know, compromise that because that provides our income. But like you're in a marriage, you're in a partnership. I, I, I have a, a new child that I'm responsible for. Like I have to kind of shift my thinking and put me third. You know, it, it has it has to be family, career, me and kind of in that order. So I had to shift things around. And I think that was my biggest like takeaway from, from that, you know, come to Jesus meeting. (laughs) (laughs) And so what were some of the new things you took on? Just, just like getting into kind of like the nitty gritty of, just, just, I think we first divided it by like everything outside the house. I would do and everything inside the house Sarah would do. But then we realized it was kind of an unfair advantage because our HOA covers like they mow our lawn, they do our landscaping, they they, they, they shovel our snow. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got the the easy job. Um, But, but, but like, it goes back to like understanding what triggers her and, you know, being highly sensitive and know how, how her brain works. Like I have figured out that she loves a clean kitchen. Like she'll kiss me and like make moves on me if the kitchen's clean. Yeah. And so gentlemen, it's a sexy thing when you clean the kitchen. It just really is. Yeah. Love the dishwasher. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I, I've always made it my thing. Like before I go to bed, I'll throw my AirPods in, listen to a podcast, listen to music. I'll knock out dishes. I'll sweep the floor. I'll put things away. I'll clean the living room. Like, you know, if she's lucky, I'll do laundry, which she, she lets me, uh, she lets me fold. I'm not allowed to wash I don't really know how. <laughs> so, well, I mean, again, there are boundaries. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so it was um, understanding what things helped her be set up for success in the morning and taking care mm-hmm. of those. And like, I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. that, that's going to help you feel better. She got it. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say, and I appreciate Justin's honesty with, you know, the way that his brain works, like, he does need reminders. Like it, it's just list. the reality. If you and do a list, list, I will knock out everything. Right. Task oriented. It sounds like. And so because of that, but then I got, that was one point of tension where I was like, I just need you to take on these things without me having to write them down for right. you. So right. then it got to a point where that's why for us, these check-ins, like we do a weekly check-in mm-hmm. We do the monthly check-in, but then like we do a nightly and daily check-in. Mm-hmm. We kind mm-hmm. of, you know, oversee. Every day, I say every, every night before I leave for work, hey, Sarah, on my way home, do you need me to pick up anything? Do you need to prepare mm-hmm. anything? Like, uh, let me know what you need and I can take care of it on my way. Mm-hmm. And, and so just kind of looking at the month, we'll kind of be like, okay, what's going on? Granted, during the pandemic, there's, you know, obviously, um, we don't have obligations like we used to on weekends, but we kind of carve out like, okay, what would we want to utilize our weekend doing? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, we, every week we're kind of like, okay, what does your week look like? You know, I might have an event, a virtual speaking engagement that I'm going to be doing at night. Like, you know, we, we just talk about that. So it doesn't feel like, oh, this is popcorn. It just popped out of nowhere. We Mm -hmm. kind of plan Mm -hmm. for that. And then, you know, daily we're checking in. And the thing is, is that for any of you listening, like you can have it all. You just can't do it all. 
And so being able to, if you want, you know, to be working and having kids and, you know, doing all of these things, it is possible, but you also have to make sure that you're, you know, communicating those things and what you need. And I might add to that, you can't do it all all at once. Mm -hmm. Like there are times when you have to prioritize and schedule and, you know, sometimes there's a season for this and then a season for that, Um, you know. That's part of, um, you know, Sarah, one of Sarah's negatives is she, once she starts something, she has to do it and then some. Uh, the other uh, night, uh, you know, she has all these things she wants to, to accomplish with the house and it's awesome. And, I, and I'm with her, but I have to remind her, I go, listen, you're not going to do it all in one night. I'm not going to help mm-hmm. you if you want to. So you're not going mm-hmm. to. Um, mm-hmm. And the other night, like she did her closet and it was like 930 and I'm like, you Pass need to go to bed. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you need to go to bed. But then she went, she started doing other things like the drawers and the, and then it's like 1030. I'm like, dude, stop. <laughs> You're getting cranky. You're not getting enough sleep. Baby's going to be awake. Yeah. Like I know what you need. And, mm-hmm. and you just, you can't do everything. You just knock it out one little piece at a mm-hmm. time and, and I'll be here to help. But yeah, trying to do too much is not good for you. I struggle with that too. Um, just, just professionally, I, I recently took a time management course just to like brush up on some ideas. And I always talk about my bullet journal and, you know, blocking my time and all that. And one of the things I learned in this is this, this instructor was saying, you know, block, if you have a big project, block two hours each day and don't feel compelled to finish it in one day. And that was the hardest thing. And I still struggle with it because, you know, two hours will go by and I'll think, oh, if I just work for two more hours, I'll get this done. Mm -hmm. And I have to force myself to stop. And it's so hard to realize, like, I have a lot of things I need to touch in a day, or a lot of people I need to help or whatever it is. And I can't, I can't go all in on something sometimes. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can, but other right. times you can't. Sarah, you have how, to manage that. Well, Sarah, how do I how do I help you prioritize what needs to get done? What do we talk about? We have an A, B, and C list. And so A's are so I'll kind of do a brain dump. And then I'll do like A's are like need to be done like today. B's are need to be done like sometime this week. And then C's are kind of like It'd be awesome if we could do this. get time. Yeah. Yeah. Those would kind of be spillovers. But what I will say, and not to defend myself, but I will say, especially at being the pandemic, being home with three kids, and I appreciate Justin's accountability and his ability to kind of, you know, hone in and kind of tell me like, Hey, you know, we can't get it all done. But, and I overuse this phrase, Justin, I know you hear it all the time, but being home with kids is like brushing your teeth, eating Oreos. Like every time that you are trying to clean or accomplish something, it's, it's like this vicious cycle. And so what I find right now personally is that when the kids do go to sleep, I do want to get a lot done because I will start and stop and start and stop throughout the day. And I can never, and I am the type of person I want to check something off, off my list. Like I have in the past and I'm guilty of this. Like I've written down something I've already accomplished just so that I could check it off. Like that is what I do that. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so it's just like, 
give yourself grace during the season that you're in. And, and, you know, it, it's okay to want to check yeah. things off, but also make sure that you're not, you're not forgetting those essential basic needs. Yeah. Two things related to that. So there are some people who don't believe in to-do lists. They believe in to-done lists. And so at the end of the day, sometimes it's good to take inventory of all the things you've done in the day so that you can stop beating yourself up and just realize I've accomplished all these things. And then the other thing is break things down into bite-sized portions. I'm a big believer in, I would really love to you know, whatever it is, clean, clean up this kitchen or whatever. And sometimes it's, you know, I'm going to tackle this one part. I'm just going to, you know, clean out this cupboard and straighten this out. And tomorrow I'll do this little part. It's hard. It's a struggle. I totally am with you on this, Sarah. Like, I just want to get it done and not think about it anymore. But um, sometimes it's all you can do. And one of the challenges that I've been, you know, trying to do with myself and any of you moms out there changing the checklist when you're home with the kids and really focusing on like, did the kids laugh today? Right. Are they fed? You know, are they happy? In that regard, Sarah, I'm going to jump in. I always try to make it known that I, I never expect a clean house. I never expect dinner when I get home. I don't care. It doesn't mean that much to me. Like if it's there, mm-hmm. awesome. If it's not, I'll be okay. I always appreciate it, but I never expect it. And I tell Sarah that I go, listen, keep the kids alive, keep them happy, <laughs> stay sane. If there's dinner and the house is clean, cool. If not, we're right. good. I don't care. And yeah. I try to make that known. Which is so true. But it's again, like I feel like as women, the narrative in our head mm-hmm. is that that's expected. And think so, of all the images we've been fed right. since forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so it is, it's, it's also good to know. And I love hearing him tell me that. And he will remind me midday. He'll just say, listen, I don't expect any of, you know, you don't have to do anything except just be there with the kids. And so Mm -hmm. hearing your significant other, your spouse, like telling you that is really helpful. Um, The other thing I just wanted to circle back around to is Part of that communication piece is, and Justin, I'd love for you to kind of share on this. What has something recently, you know, that I do while you're at work to communicate with you that has been super helpful for your brain when you're at work? Not bothering me as much. (laughs) Respecting my, uh, my, my sacred times of nine to noon and one to four. So instead of texting you... What has been helpful that I've been doing for us to kind of be on the same page? The voice messages? Am I, am I missing this? Oh, boy. So the emails. Uh, we might have to, re- we might have to redo. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. It's a classic marriage moment. Yeah. I thought we were on the same page and I thought it was. So this is interesting because I thought like, mm-hmm. this is a big deal. I have been shifting. I've been very mindful of not sending him just like emotionally reactive text messages. But instead, when it's something important, I've shifted to a different form of communication that I thought was helpful, but maybe it's not. It is. I 
Yeah. <laughs> we've got a lot of different things. I, I don't like to respond to text. I, it's, I bet if you look at our text history for every 3000 words, Sarah has written <laughs> over the years, I've probably written six. This and sounds so, familiar to me. Yeah. yeah yes. So I, no. I, yeah. I don't okay. like the text. I especially don't like the text at work. And when I'm in work mode, I'm always yeah. doing emails and responding to emails. And so I'll see an email from her pop up. Um, and, and it will elicit response. And she knows like not to overdo it, not to abuse mm-hmm. it. Like, and, and, and well, that's respecting um, a boundary. Absolutely. Right. Right. And so, um, yes, it, it certainly, uh, has helped. So I apologize for missing that. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of conversations on many topics. <laughs> true. It's all good. It's all good. So let's, let's, I think we've t- talked a lot about, you know, your marriage and your partnership together, but I want to learn a little more about you, um, Justin. So, um, you know, we just, even in this conversation and, you know, through, you know, since we started the podcast, we've talked a lot about how boundaries and saying no can be very hard for women in particular, just because we're always told to be givers and caretakers and things like that. But like, is this something you've struggled with in your life? Are we wrong in thinking it's harder for us as women? Or do you feel like, this yes, it is a women's primarily issue, or is it a universal thing? I, I don't think it could be that broad. I mean, I think it's an individual mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Sarah could probably tell you better, but like, I don't think I struggle. Like, if I know saying no to one thing will cause something more important to be better off in my life, no problem. I can flip a switch like that. Like it. it and that's just me. I'm not saying that's normal. I'm not saying that's all guys. I, I tend to think guys are more like dogs and don't have the capacity to think far enough in advance to to understand the outcomes of, of what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but like, that's just me. Like, no, it's not hard for me to say no if I know it's going to make something else better. That's more important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you focus on the the why, the goal of like right. how this impacts what I'm going after. And so right. what kinds of boundaries have you set around your work or life outside of your marriage that, you know, that have helped you accomplish your goals? Or, I mean, you know? probably a big one that comes to mind is like, uh, I mean, probably all my friends and family and Sarah could vouch. I'm, I'm, I'm a yes man. I'm a people pleaser. Like I, that's just my personality. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I've always loved going and doing things with people and, and going places and meeting up. And like, I've always enjoyed doing that. And, you know, the last few years with you know, the marriage and, and you know, the kids and everything, like mm-hmm. I've had to set boundaries, like, and, and mm-hmm. obviously COVID has kind of you know made that for everybody, but like mm-hmm. saying no to, you know, meetups and, and, you know, going to, you know, my buddies to watch a game or going out, you know, with my friends, like, Mm -hmm. because I know if I do that, I'm leaving Sarah with the kids. And if, and if I go out and have a few drinks and the next day I'm not feeling my best, Sarah's going to have, you know, the kids in the morning too. And it's like, Mm -hmm. so I've kind of switched my mind around and it's like my tribe, my, my three boys, my wife, like, how Mm -hmm. can I be my best for them first? And then after mm-hmm. that, th- then I'll, I'll go from there instead of what's again in my best interest and what do I want first? And we kind of talked mm-hmm. about that earlier. Um, but Sarah's cool. Like she'll, she'll let, I hate to say she'll let me do things, but um, like 
what was it a month after we had Tristan? Uh, I went, I went on a cross country trip out to South Dakota and, and camped and hiked and, you know, with six of my buddies. I, think I remember that. I think yeah, that and, was about the time we started our yeah. podcast. I remember that. Yeah. yeah six days. And, and, Six days, <laughs> which we did, have, days. we did have child care that did fall through, but for six days, yeah. I was so right. with but all like three. It, and that, 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 that was an example of like Sarah's like first of all we planned that we did a year uh start of the year 2020 plan we were at a coffee shop we kind of you know plan on you know trips and meeting up with like friends and let's coordinate something and that day i mean i was texting my buddies and we decided what we were going to do when we were going to do it and we booked everything that day in january it which was for August. i just wow. have to pause for a second which is hilarious because this is the difference between males and females because Justin and I, at the beginning of the year, we do. We look at the entire year. We talk about when do we want to have like a couple's trip? When would be a family trip? And then let's do like you do a guy's trip and I do a girl's trip. So like he had just said, that day back in January of 2019, he texted no, guys. 20. 20. Sorry, you're they were in a group text. They all confirmed like everything. All of the women, the girls on my chat, everyone was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't think I can. Oh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> Let like, me check. Yeah. yeah. And, and it never ended up, ended up happening. But it's uh -huh. like, that's the difference, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's it will be okay with everyone else before I say, right. yeah, let's do like, it. Yeah. That, that was an example of you, you do enough things for, for Sarah and the kids and like, mm -hmm. um, and again, I hate to say reward or earn, but she like needed that you need a break and, yeah. she, and she yeah, gets yeah, yeah. that. And, and so that's, um, yeah. So, so being able to put my family's needs first above my own and, and, you know, mm -hmm. be with my friends, like that was probably the biggest, uh, shift for me. Yeah. But just, any career, oh, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. go on. I was just going to say, like, I keep hearing you say others needs before your own. And then it's like, I am trying, I try and teach women and to tell myself, like, we have to put ourselves first though, too. So do mm -hmm. you feel like you are able to put yourself first? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. <sighs> Yeah. At I least mean, some of the times my, is it yeah. is it about, you know, sometimes it's me first and sometimes I have to put the needs of others first or I see you hedging. It's a good question because like I feel like I, I, I don't know, I guess would be my answer. Uh I do things almost on a daily basis at this point for what's in the best interest of of my family or others. And I'm cool with that. Like I, for the most part, like, you know, if, if 365 days, I, I need to put myself at the, at the back for 355 of them. That's all I need. I'm cool. Like if I can get a day here and there, that's that, that serves me well. So I feel like, I feel like this, this, I anticipate there will be a, a partnership meeting about this <laughs> <laughs> to discuss. Yeah. To discuss. Um, but also, I kind of feel like I'm wondering, Justin, if like you're getting your runs in and your exercise in the evenings and you're like 
maybe you are doing those self-care things that Sarah does, but you don't think of it in the same way. So it's right. an interesting conversation about how we perceive that. Right. Right. Cause I mean, I do, I, I do need to work out and I do need to be efficient at work. Um, but I, you know, I do those things, you know, not with my, my best interest in mind first, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't even know if that makes sense. Well, it sounds like your why is your tribe. Right. Yeah. Right at, now. at the end of the day, that, like, so th- everything I do is to provide the best life possible for my kids and my wife. And that, that's all I yeah. care about at the end of the day. Yeah. So you two discuss amongst yourselves and get back to us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and so, that's my just, ultimate why and goal too. I just know right, it yeah. with me being able to, I have to be my best so that then I can right, be the best right. wife and mom and all of yeah. that. Yeah. So Justin, what other boundaries, like outside of like, do, are there any work boundaries you've set to be better at what you do in your career? Any like work habit things or just, um, you know? I always try to kind of yeah. pull back to this topic, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I try to be a- as efficient as possible when I'm at work, getting the most done I can within the condensed time I, I have to be there because again, Sarah would, would tell you if, if I didn't have other responsibilities, I would just stay at work. I would always be there. Mm-hmm. I would never come home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it's funny at work, we, um, we implemented a, a tracking system just for fun, just to kind of like see how humans operate when they're at work and how efficient they really are. And so we mm-hmm. would track our efficiency. Like I literally, I bought a, a stop clock. I put it right in front of my mm-hmm. desk. And if I was messing around, if I was on a website that wasn't work related, if I was texting, I was off the clock. As soon as I got back to doing my work, back on the clock. And um, I want to say like, you know, if I'm at work for 10 hours and I'm, I'm factoring in an hour of lunch too, which sometimes I'll work through and sometimes mm-hmm. I won't. But like if I'm at work 10 hours and I know I'm on this efficiency clock, like, and I'm getting after it, 80 four percent efficient is a, a hell of a day like i'm at brain pop mm-hmm. and i i'd gotten after it and, and I, I was very focused on that and it just made me think like as human beings like how much do we screw around at work like i knew i was i was <laughs> micromanaging myself to such an mm-hmm. intense level and i was still only 84 percent efficient like what are these mm-hmm. other you know when i'm not doing that Am I 71%? Am I 62%? Could, mm-hmm. could I be working three days a week instead of five days a week at a higher efficiency level? So like that is, is maybe how I put a boundary around myself. Like, am I maximizing my efficiency? And I, I get so micro in that, um, that mm-hmm. I think it almost became obsessive for a little while. I don't, I don't use it right now, and, but you know, maybe I should, cause maybe I'm not being efficient. I started doing something similar a couple of years ago. I use a timekeeping system that we use to track all our, you know, billable client hours. And so I set up a project called Heather's time. And then the tasks within that are all verbs. So there's like building for building the business, learning, organizing, reacting, living for when I'm doing non-work related things. And those are all unbillable things. And so if I'm not working on a client project, I'm 
I'm tracking time in that Heather's time thing. And then at the end of the week, I get this report and it tells me how much of my time was billable percentage wise. How much time did I spend? And so like when my kids were a little bit younger, like a lot of time was eaten up with like their their doctor's appointments and school meetings and all that kind of stuff. And like, it's interesting. It helps me measure how efficient am I being? So I'm a big believer in data. Right. Um, And I do have to mention, I can't help it, but I also think it's so important. And Justin, you brought up a really good point is that it's different. Like if, if you didn't have a family, right, like you would be working like a ton, but I think what's important to recognize too, is parents that, you know, are working, taking, and it, it only has to be five or 10 minutes, but taking little brain breaks Mm -hmm. throughout that efficiency day, because when you come home, you have another job. And so I Mm -hmm. think for me, and especially again, one of the things as, as a working mom, like I have childcare and during just the days that I work. So I am trying to just how many clients can I see during the times that I have childcare. But then what I forget is I need to be breathing. I need to be taking a couple of minutes here and there because when I get home, I want to be present with them and not giving them and my husband my leftovers. So I think there needs to be a balance with that as well. There's been a lot of research around taking breaks and like stopping something like when you get stuck and letting your brain kind of autopilot percolate on it for a Mm -hmm. while. And there's also studies about interruptions. So every time you get interrupted and you have to reset and go back to something, it takes there's there's like 15 to 20 minutes before your brain can focus again. So we just kind of have to be mindful about our habits at work. And, you know, I think, you know. 80, I'm surprised your your top number is 85%. I feel like that's like crazy high. Crazy. Like, honestly, like, it's, like, it's like, by the way, that wasn't that's, my... That's crazy. That's not my average. That's, that's like my best number. I, my average is probably still, 77%. Like, and that's me like being yeah. very diligent and knowing like I'm yeah. trying to get after it. I still think that's an amazing number because right. I just think like you're a human being. Like you have to be able to like take a drink of water and go to the bathroom. But isn't <laughs> like, it wild? You know like, what I mean? If you think about but, it, we're probably... If you're not measuring yourself like that, 30, 40% efficient at work, like it can get that way because yeah. you can get lost. You can get lost in what you're doing right, and not right. realize it. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me want to get my time so, on Monday. <laughs> in my drawer still. We'll compare numbers at the end of the week. Right. Um, <laughs> so let's let's stay on uh, the topic of work for a minute because you're a recruiter mm-hmm. and you interview a lot of people for a living, I assume. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people right now who've lost their jobs or looking for work. So I just I just kind of wanted to ask, you know, for those who are looking for work or considering making a career change, you know, can we pick your brain a little bit about, uh. Uh, you know, about do's and don'ts you can try so i'll I'll, I'll, I'll clarify it a little bit it's a sure little bit different than i think maybe what you might be picturing so what we do in our little niche of the world is i recruit employed people that aren't really looking to make a move i see so so companies specifically medical device biotech pharma companies will um retain me to go fill you know manager director level positions that they want the best of the best and they'll pay premium dollar for me to go get those people from their competitors. I see. So 
it's probably a little different, but like you're talking to high level people. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, 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 a it, it's, there's, I mean, there's staffing and recruiting and there's different variations of it. So, so what we mm-hmm. do is we're always working in, in negative unemployment sectors. Um, I mean, even mm-hmm. when this COVID thing happened um, and there was a ban on, on elective procedures, the med device industry that I work in got hammered, you know, furloughs and, yeah. and layoffs and, you know, hiring freezes and things I had not seen in my 10 years of being there. I had gotten in right after the, mm-hmm. the recession of 09 and 10. And so everything had only gone up and it was only good. So this was the first hiccup. Um, but, you know, because we have to find our way to these negative unemployment sectors, because that's where we do our billing, you know, I would, I would find, you know, I'd go in the diagnostic world and where companies were making testing systems for COVID, like, and the demand was there, or I'd find clients that mm-hmm. make uh, uh, devices for hospital beds. The demand was there. So mm-hmm. it, it's, if you have questions, I could probably answer some things, but it's, a, it's just a little bit different. I, I think sometimes recruiting gets all like lumped together into one world. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, you're not actively, you're not looking at hundreds of resumes and things like that. No. In fact, the people we go after usually don't even have resumes put together. Right. Right. So a little different. So I'm wondering if there's still a few little helpful bits of advice. Though. So like, let's say, let's say you've identified someone as, is boy, this person on paper or on LinkedIn looks really impressive. And I'd like to talk to them about this position and see if I can convince them to make a switch. You know, when you talk with people like that, are there ever instances where you're interviewing someone and you're like, Oh no, that's a hard no. Like they say something or do something that just like tells you, whoops, Nope, this is not the right person. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I get into to, to conversations with these people, like the way I open it is I, I don't care if, if you want this position now or not. I don't, I don't care if this is the one for you. I want to understand you. I want to understand your background. I want to understand your personal life. I want to understand what you've done in your career. I want to understand what motivates you, where you see yourself next. Once I understand mm-hmm. that, if it fits into what I have today, we'll talk about it. And if it makes sense to pursue, we will pursue it together and it will be great. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's not the right thing, if it's not the right time because of personal things, professional things, that's cool too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I am very niched in what I do within life sciences and it's, it's a relationship thing. And, and I've made a couple hires this year in the last you know 12 months that some of the first conversations I had with these people were nine, 10 years ago. And it's just staying in touch and it's understanding their mm-hmm. dynamics and how things can change and evolve. And, and, and so I, I never look at it as I'm trying to talk someone into, to take in a job because that's very selfish. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's understanding what motivates people and figuring out how can I best help them and their career. And at the end of the day, impact their families uh, uh, pretty um, excessively. So it's a more holistic approach. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. It, How I'm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole person. Yeah. Um, So are there any, um, if someone were to be recruited by someone like you and they got that phone call or they had that meeting, are there any, any tips or no's or anything like 
uh, yeah. you know, someone being considered for, I'm just trying to like help people out if, no, they're, I, if they're in I, this I, situation. I hear where yeah. you're going. I think, um, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's hard to say because my industry is, is, is 90% yeah. bad people. Um, and I say that because it's, it's an industry that's easy to get into and it's an industry with unlimited income potential. So what that means is a lot of people try it. That shouldn't, a lot of people try it, that see the dollar that can, it it can produce for you. And they just, they try to, to give it a whirl and it's, they don't have the best intentions of the company or the candidate. And because of that, they'll just chase the dollar and fizzle out before they can do anything. And there's Mm. so much bad in our industry that it kind of, puts this negative perception to, for most people. But if you were to get a recall, get a call from, from, from me or, or, you know, someone in my position, take it. Even if you're not looking, the best time to, to consider is when you don't have to, the worst time to look is when you have to. So <laughs> talk to a recruiter, um, qualify the recruiter, ask them about their tenure, ask them who some of their clients are. I, I commit to good recruiters are with the same company or the same firm for a long time. There's probably not a dollar amount. You could get me to leave my company. I take that back. If you want to pay me $10 million a year, I'd have to consider. Uh, but you know, and obviously I'm joking, but like the recruiters that are bad, you can only be bad for so long before you know, our company, before we would cut you. Cause, cause we don't want to take mm-hmm. that loss on it. And we know it's not a good fit. So we would move on within a few months. And if you are talking to a recruiter and you qualify them a little bit and they've had four or five jobs in, in three, four years, big red flag. They've been with one, one company for 10 years and they've had some good success. It's a pretty good sign that that person knows what they're doing. Um, so I would say, take a call, qualify the recruiter um, and, and see if they got the chops. That's great advice. Really, really good insight. I've, I, to be really honest, I've been approached by recruiters in the past and I just, just said, no, not interested. Like didn't even take the call. So that's really interesting. So I appreciate that. All right. So, so let's go back to Sarah for a minute. (laughs) We love to get the inside scoop. (laughs) We're still getting to know her. So uh, we've gotten to know her pretty well over the past several months, but tell us something about her that we don't know already. Something about Sarah. Are you bracing we yourself? We don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> She's not competitive at all. Like at Is this all. sarcasm? No. And it and it totally <laughs> oh, really? it, it totally goes against me because I'm like ultra competitive. And I remember I invited her up to my office when we were first dating. You remember this, sir? Yeah. We, and I'm like, you want to play darts? Dartboard in the office. And I'm like, all right. And I, I've been playing a lot of darts at that point. Like, I got pretty good. And I'm like, I'm going to smoke her. And I start out and like, <laughs> I'm throwing like really good darts. And she's like cheering me on. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why are you cheering? She's, she's like, like, I want yeah, you to do good. Real. And then she goes out there and like, doesn't, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it, 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 you wouldn't know that because she's so motivated and she's so driven, Yeah. but she's, what you do know is she's so compassionate and cares so much for yeah. others that she wants everybody to be successful. It's a cool yeah. quality. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't have that to that extent. <laughs> uh, I would, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of that, but it's nice to hear you confirm that. That's, 
<laughs> You're so nice, Sarah. You're such well, a nice and, person. But honestly, that is, it's, it is collaboration over competition. And that's just how I feel like, and especially why I'm so, I'm so passionate about helping women is it's like babes supporting babes and I'm an open book <laughs> and I want to share as much as I can in what's worked for me and hoping that it can help someone else. And I just feel like there's so much abundance in the, in the world. There's so many people to help. And I just want everyone to, you know, reach, reach for, you know, their best. And I love helping people get to that. And I am not, yeah, I'm not competitive when it comes to those things at all. (laughs) (laughs) That's so adorable. Um, Anything else you want to share? Uh, nothing's popping off right now. I'm surprised that you are not, and I'm just going to be calling myself out on this geography. Like, oh my God, terrible. You guys really doesn't know east from west. No, doesn't know where anything is. Uh, I don't. It's like, does she get lost driving all the time? time. I won't let her drive anywhere. I never know where I am. (laughs) Like if there, if I do not have a GPS, like, and and I'm terrible at landmarks, I'll be like, yeah, Justin, you know, it's that building next to that house that has a door and windows and like, but I don't know. I never know where I'm at. Like it's crazy that's my <laughs> i have to say i have to say i'm kind of bad at that too and so is my sister so we joke that it's like runs in the family but the problem is my brother who just left the navy w- was a navigator yeah so yeah anyway yeah so um well this has been great is there anything else about your partnership at, you know as parents as as a couple that, that we didn't touch on that you want to touch on um I mean it, actually it's funny because I can tie it into to recruiting too uh, I always tell you know companies and candidates like good hires and bad hires uh, happen when when expectations are aligned or misaligned I think that's a perfect uh, parallel to marriage set expectations make sure your spouse knows the expectation because if they don't know what you're expecting you have no and you don't know what they're expecting someone's gonna be unhappy and, and again it goes back to my job if, if a company has goals and expectations that they don't ever clarify to a candidate and they get into a job and all, all of a sudden like oh shit like there's gonna be a miss someone's gonna be mad and so i would say set expectations with one another reasonable expectations with each other um do it with some frequency well and and kind of adding to that you know we're not mind readers and there's so many times where i'm like he should know what i'm thinking but the reality is that he doesn't and so i wouldn't necessarily i hear what you're saying in regards to the expectations but i just feel like it's just keeping open um communication and ongoing and and taking it honestly, like day by day. And that's why we do so many check-ins because it's awesome. And we'll give each other fist bump, high five, whatever, like that worked kisses that worked Mm -hmm. for that day or that week or that season. But guess what? We got to go back to the drawing plant or the, help me out. 
We got drawing a drawing board. board. Drawing board. Thank you. Um, we have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what do we need right now. And it might look mm-hmm. different than what was working before, but that's okay. You just have mm-hmm. to continue to, you know, tweak things and, you know, communicate about what you need during different seasons. And I, yeah. and I, say, I think it's important to notate too, like we are far from a perfect marriage, mm-hmm. a perfect couple. Like we yeah, get right, into arguments, right, right. we, you know, get mad at each other. Like, and I know a lot healthy. of that, yeah, like, it, it, but like a lot mm-hmm. of it, like you don't see it on social media. You don't see it on the mm-hmm. podcast. We don't highlight it when mm-hmm. we talk about like all this good. There's so much good, mm-hmm. but yeah. there's, there's a lot of, you know, things that suck too. And I think that's with every marriage. And I think it should be known that we've highlighted a lot of cool shit that we do together. And, and, and I think it's special, mm-hmm. but man, we fight. It's just, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I told my kids a long time ago, um, when, you know, my husband and I would argue, um, if, if they saw it, you know, I mean, because anybody who lives together, I don't care who you are. Anyone who lives together is going to have conflict right. and get on each other's nerves, whether you're siblings or roommates or spouses or kids. partners, whatever kids <laughs> like, yeah, you're just going to get on each other's nerves because we're all human and we're all fallible. It's right. just the way it is. The pro- the thing is what you do during that and after that. Absolutely. Right. And it's always that like reconnect and repair after the rupture. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say, and Justin, I'm curious your thoughts, but I feel like one of the things that does set us apart in regards to at least, you know, people I talk with and not not to compare, but like, we are not grudge holders. Like if one of us messed up or we can own it, we can talk about it. We can have feelings and be mad about it. But I feel like one of the things that we have learned over the years, it was not always like this in the beginning. And I'm the first to say I would call him out on stuff and bring things up from the past. But one of the things specifically now that I know makes us work as well as we do is we just reset. We talk about it. We say what we need to, but I'm not throwing things in his face that he had done previously. Like we are mm-hmm. just not grudge holders. Mm-hmm. And for those who are dealing with this at home, what happens if, if there is a rupture, there is some conflict and, and you want to forgive and you want to move on and reset, but the other person won't acknowledge that something you know, happened that they were, you know, at fault for or, or not at fault, but you know, they did something that was hurtful or whatever. What, how do you get beyond that? Is that when you, you go to couples therapy and get a mediator or, you it, know, I mean, cool off period, you know, go for a drive, yeah. go for a walk, Let the temperature by yourself, get, get, yeah, down, like, yeah. get your thoughts together. Um, yeah. I mean, couples therapy, like Sarah and I have gone to therapy. It's, I love it. Like, I, I, I think it's certainly has benefits um, and just talk about it. Like once you, once cooler yeah. heads yeah. prevail, you, you address it like a, like a team you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, if you don't know a lot about your partner's upbringing, I would really encourage you to take, to take a time. six hour drive to Chicago for a dry <laughs> wedding. <laughs> Not Chicago. <laughs> right, yeah, not Chicago. <laughs> South of Chicago, three hours in the middle of nowhere. But, but, but honestly, I think it's really important to take time to really understand. My mother-in-law 
Joan, hi. Thanks for listening. I know she supports hi, us hi. all the time. I just adore her. But she really like understanding the way that Justin was raised, what his upbringing mm-hmm. was like, because and this is, you know, obviously coming from my background of, um, you know, marriage and family therapy, systemic work, but we are a byproduct of our upbringing. And, and mm-hmm. so understanding the way that we're wired, the narratives in our head, and we do things based on the way that we were raised. And so mm-hmm. once we can understand that more, it kind of lessens the frustration because it's kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense. Like I, the way I grew up, You know, my mom would always clean the kitchen before she went to bed. You know, for him, maybe it was, you know, she would clean in the morning. So it's like, it makes sense why we do the things that we do. But then being able to check in and be like, but what do we want together? Mm -hmm. This, Mm -hmm. it explains it. Our history explains us, but it doesn't define us. So then being Mm -hmm. able to, you know, figure out what we need, what you need as a, as a, couple and as a family unit. Outside of everything else we've talked about, Justin, is there a golden nugget of advice you'd like to share with our listeners? One piece of advice about saying no, setting boundaries, taking care of yourself, taking care of your partner, anything we Mm. haven't already covered? That we haven't already covered? I don't think so. Or anything you want to elaborate? I mean, I, I go back to the coachability. Like just mm-hmm. being able to understand and adapt and, and, and figure out what makes your partner be their best self, what makes them tick and, and, and just honing in on that. Like, uh, I think that's a, a big nugget that I, I try to work on daily still. And that's what I would say. If you're going to take one thing from this, be coachable. That's great. That's a great piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, this fun. for doing this. It's been really fun. I've been, you know, eager to really meet you, meet you. We've yeah, waved same hello here. And, and, you know, in passing, but it's really nice to finally have a, a deep conversation. <laughs> and, and you guys are adorable. And um, so it, I just really, I really appreciate you guys letting us take a peek further into your your relationship and and know more about you and maybe there will be a part two if listeners have specific questions for us we'd love to oh yeah come back on and yeah but someone has to watch our kids first (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) any volunteers out there (laughs) all right well thank you guys and um yeah thanks for spending time and uh we look forward to learning more as time goes on Thanks. Love you. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support, and to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo design by Angela Giacco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by G.G. Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.
Well, welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.